Welcome to Hollywood and Vine, where we review some movies, talk some shit, have some fun. I'm Tim Beasley. And I'm Patrick Bonfrisco. Patrick, how's your day going? I just woke up. So pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, so far so good. Yeah, can't complain when you haven't done anything. Exactly. I like it, I like it. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. (laughs) Well, today we're going to be taking a look at... uh, a pretty cool movie called Hidden Figures came out at the beginning of the year. Uh, we're a little behind the time on it, but it's a fantastic movie, so uh, you should definitely check this out. Uh, just a quick synopsis on the movie. It's a story of a team of African-American women uh, mathematicians, basically, mm-hmm. who serve a vital role in the early years of, of NASA and its space program for the U.S. Um, what was your kind of initial thoughts on the movie seeing the trailers coming out patrick it looked interesting i'm i'm all about anything having to do with going to space um i i think i only saw the trailer once or twice um as soon as i saw the first one i knew it was a movie i wanted to see so i kind of just avoided looking at anything else so that i could go in somewhat fresh to the film i can agree with that yeah i, I usually unless it's comic book related. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I usually don't watch a lot of trailers. I'll watch something once, maybe twice to see if, if I, you know, really am interested in it, if it grabs me. Um, and then I'll decide to go or not. And which, which really for me, almost anything that comes out, I'm probably going to see. Um, but it depends on when I'm going to see it. Um, and I was a little late to this and I'm, I'm a little sad that I was. Yeah. Um, same here. I, I, I mean, I just saw it like last week and it's been out. When, Since early January. Yeah, I mean, it was out in limited release even before then, but I think you're right as far as wide release. Yeah, and I only really count wide release anyways yeah. for me. Oh, you I know mean, what? if a movie uh, comes out in three cities, good for it, but when it hits, you know, it came out 500 plus theaters, then I'm ready. It came out in wide release on December 25th, so a little bit further behind than we thought, but that's all right. We still saw it. I mean, for me, as long as I see it in the theater as opposed to watching on a tiny screen at home, it's a win. Yeah, I am I remember seeing the trailer coming out and it was talking about, you know, smart women, black women in, uh, what, the early 70s? Oh, my God, I should 61. probably get this right. Early 60s? Yeah, I'm like, what am I talking about? Um and the fact that it had, it had to do with NASA and math, I mean, she's doing math all over the trailer and it's like, this is kind of cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in it. And then just the holidays came around, then the start of the year came around. I wasn't seeing anything. Um, and then new stuff started to come out and my mind went to new stuff instead of kind of like slightly old stuff, you know, <laughs> something shinier and newer came out. Uh, but I finally got an opportunity to sit down and watch the movie and I was, I'm not even going to say I was surprised because it looked like a good movie. Mm -hmm. It met all the expectations and Mm -hmm. I was happy that I got to see it, but sad that I waited so long. Yeah. Same here. Uh, This actually got the Susan stamp of approval. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) It got my mother's stamp of approval over the holidays. And that's what kind of one of me made me want to watch it even more that she thought it was the best movie of the year that she saw. So um, I had to go check it out at that point. I mean, it's got an all-star cast, an all-star female cast. Um, 
the the men in the movie really play a, a very supporting role. This is a female driven movie, which mm-hmm. is good to see in Hollywood every now and again. You know, it's uh, it seems like it's it's going there more and more. But um, I don't necessarily know if there's been a whole lot of female driven dramas. You know, it seems like a lot lately. There's a lot of female driven comedies, mm-hmm. but not something with some some real hardcore substance. You know. So this was a, a nice kind of change of pace in, in a small sense. Yeah, I'm trying to think, even among the this year's other Oscar nominees, if any of them were primarily female leads. And nope. I don't think so, yeah. I can't think I mean, maybe a, maybe a rival. You yeah, yeah maybe okay. Yeah. But, but even, even then, though, you've got, like you've Jeremy got more Renner had, Yeah, Jeremy Renner had probably close to the same amount of screen time. Yeah, I would say she's the main character is mm-hmm. female, but she's surrounded by a male cast. Whereas this is really a movie with a strong female cast surrounded by great supporting male actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's you know really dives into the dynamic of not just race racial dynamic, but also um, I mean that's obviously the the big one since it's talking about you know 1960s, um, not the. Uh, greatest time in America's history. Um, nope. <laughs> uh, but you have these great supporting characters that, that kind of push uh, the boundaries of relationships and uh, friendships and dynamics in the workplace. I mean, it's, it's a really, there's kind of different tiers amongst all these levels that, that go outside of just race when that is, that is definitely at the forefront of everything, but there's, there's other kind of nuances in there as well. Patrick, what did you think about the casting? Oh, they were fantastic, all of them. And I love the fact that even though of the three, there was kind of a main story going on, they all, all three had their their own their own story going through this, and they were each trying to accomplish something different. So you have the the main character who's trying to get really a seat at the table with with everyone else, with all the men, and doing the math. You have a second character who's trying to get promoted into a supervisor role that she's essentially already doing, but they just won't give it to her. And you have a third character who is trying to be allowed to go back to school so that she could advance her career, and she's being told along the way that that's not for women, that's not for black women, you can only take this class at this one high school that's that's all white, and she has to go to court to to get permission to further her own career that will advance the American um, space program. So it's just a lot of aspects that, I mean, when you look back, you you know things were messed up in the 60s, but it did show it from three different angles of all the different things they were trying to accomplish at work. And the supervisor role, that could really be taken out of NASA, and you realize that that probably applied everywhere. Um people that were doing a supervisory role and just weren't allowed to be promoted into it because it was, you know, even if it wasn't an official policy, it was just a standard in companies they just would not do. And uh, I feel like they found three outstanding people to play those roles that that filled them out in very different ways. So you had very three distinct personalities up on screen. Yeah, and you're you're right. It's kind of like three separate stories interwoven. It's very much like a, 
a quick snapshot of a, a sitcom or something, mm-hmm. um, you know, a couple different episodes woven in because you have these three main characters basically going on their three different journeys that their paths keep crossing um, and they help each other along the way and their support system for one another because they've all had to deal with it. Um, those same kind of prejudices and, and barriers uh, and talking about uh, the, the kind of going into those different arcs, if you will, you know, touching on that, that story that you were talking about just a second ago, um, you have uh, Mary Jackson played by Janelle Monet, who is uh, trying to become an engineer and she's mm-hmm. being held back by the fact that NASA has never had a female engineer. And not just that, when she finally gets someone that, that wants to back her up um, and help her get in the program and really push her, then all of a sudden there's additional coursework that she has to take. Uh, and she can either take it at the university, which is, I forget how far away, or she could take it at the one local high school mm-hmm. that was for whites only. Right. So she goes and she petitions the court and she has a just beautifully poignant speech about being the first um, and talking to the judge, like, do you want to be the first one to to make this change, to push this this barrier forward? Or do you want to deal with parking tickets and crap like that? You know, what do you want to do? You're, you were the first in your family to do something. Be the first again. Let me be the first one to do this. And and the judge signs the agreement and allows her to take these classes at an all-white school, um, which, again, when she goes to the school, finally takes her courses, it's an all-white male mm-hmm. school, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's again, it's breaking barriers on so many different levels um, that really – kind of shows the strength of these women or, or specifically Mary Jackson in that sense. But all of these women are super, super strong women um, and can all be, you know, or I'm, you know, these are real women. So it's not like these are, we're not talking about wonder woman here. We're talking about real women that did these things. So they were um, figures to be, uh, you know, aspired to. I was just going to say, um, as far as like the historical accuracy goes, I didn't read too much on it, but it sounds like all three stories did take place. They didn't necessarily take place at the exact same time. So the, the film right. took some liberties there of just lining everything up to make a movie, make a movie <laughs> <laughs> um, because otherwise you wouldn't really be able to watch them all switch back and forth from the, the three different perspectives. It would have to tell one story, then tell another to tell another. And while I usually get pretty annoyed when any, 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 historical accuracy has changed. I can, I can see why it was done in such a way because it was much more compelling to, to sit there. And like you said, it's, it's like watching a television show where you start off with your three characters and they go off in their different directions and all the stories tie together at the end. So that was Mm -hmm. done really well. The historical accuracy, you know, some people have shot holes into it, but of course it's it's a movie, you know, it's based on true events. It's not, this isn't a biopic. This isn't, (laughs) You know, this isn't a bio, uh, a documentary or something like that. This is a, a fictional representation of real life events using real people. But um, you're right; you have to interweave it so that it makes sense, and also that you have a compelling story. And, and I think they did that without veering too far from the truth. As far as the the second lead, <laughs> it almost sounds kind of weird to say. Yeah. Uh, but you have. A character named Dorothy Vaughn, who is played by Octavia Spencer, um, who is that supervisor role that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think you you hit the nail on the head that this isn't just because it's NASA. That's not what the the issue here was. It's someone who's been in the role for a long time, who's taken on more 
responsibility without any more pay or any more respect. Mm-hmm. And who every single one of the girls in that that kind of division looks up to and listens to. And if she says jump, they say how high. Yeah, she was. I mean, in every scene that you see her with the rest of them, the rest of the, that team, she's clearly in charge. And they, they clearly give her the respect of being in charge. But it was people outside the department that, that would not. Yep. And that's her issue is you know trying to get to that that level. But as you progress through the movie, uh, there's kind of a, an underlying almost in the beginning kind of gag joke in there with the IBM computers where they're they're bringing in these new IBM computers to to do computations that um, this group of women are basically doing. Both white women and uh, black women in separate teams are doing. Uh, they're called computers and basically they're just doing calculations yeah. and now they're bringing in real computers or what we know as computers mm-hmm. to do these calculations even faster, you know, thousands of calculations a minute. Um, and they bring in the IBMs and they can't fit them in the doors. And it's, <laughs> it's kind of a point of, 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 you know, a funny real quick, but you see this kind of underlying tone that these women are all going to be out of a job soon. Um, and, uh, Dorothy Vaughn, the, the unofficial supervisor, kind of takes it upon herself to learn mm-hmm. how to utilize these computers so that she can give her girls a job so she can teach them and they can have some sort of future uh, in a new world and kind of a changing, changing world where it's not necessarily going to be about, you know, white or black. It's going to be about ones and zeros. She had a great scene where she goes to the library. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that scene? Yeah. Where she, with her, with her son. Yeah. She goes to the library and she's picking out a book to learn this computing language and uh, you know she gets kicked out because it's an all-white library. But she tells her son basically, like, my taxes paid for uh-huh. you know for public use. We're the public. Like, don't let anyone ever tell you you can't do something. Don't let anyone ever tell you you're not allowed. Yeah, it's very. That was, uh, that was great. Yeah, but she eventually, and where I kind of touched on earlier, you know, it's not just about race because she's kind of in a a, a small battle with uh, Kirsten Dunst's character mm-hmm. who. Seems really more like the HR or admin type role. Um, not officially. I don't remember exactly her title in the movie, if they even say it. I don't know if they but did. But she, she kind of gives out the the job, you know, the job titles or the job uh, work orders, basically. Yeah, like new assignments every day or every week. She comes in and just yeah. and hands them out. Yeah, and her and and Dorothy kind of have a an interesting relationship because. It seems to me, from my my watching of the movie, it seems like Dorothy Vaughn thinks Kirsten Dunst's character doesn't like her because she's black or won't give her the promotion because she's black. But really, it doesn't. I mean, did you get anything different? It comes down to it. She eventually does get the promotion. Mm -hmm. And it didn't seem like they have an interaction in a bathroom talking about kind of just that. And it seemed like it it wasn't necessarily about race. It was just about maybe skill. I don't know. What did you take from that whole interaction? I took that, uh, Kirsten Dunst's character didn't think she was racist. <laughs> you could say that. You know what I mean? But, um, I forget what Dorothy says to her on, when she walks out, but she does say something basically comment, along that line. Yeah. But kind of like, well, you know, Sorry, you don't think you are, but it was pretty clear that you are. But she says something and walks out. It was a great moment. I wish I could remember it. Mm. Guess I'm going to have to see it again. Oh, shucks. Yeah. <laughs> going to go out to watch a good movie again. Yeah, but she eventually does learn how to use the computer and 
takes over and knows how to program it better than the programmers, which just kind of, again, points to how smart these women were and how dedicated and hardworking they were in this time of change, which kind of brings us to the the third main character, if you will, who's, I would say, is the main character, right. if you want I to say there's a main, the main out of the three. The main line that was, or thread that was running throughout the film, and then it would cut to Dorothy and Mary, but... Yeah, main character would have been uh, Catherine Goble Johnson, and she one of one of the one of the days when Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst's character comes in and gives out an assignment, she gets assigned to go work with um, Kevin Costner's character, and apparently he just burns through these people who come in and I guess just check the numbers of other people's work, and yep. you're, you're kind of led to believe that she shouldn't expect to last very long in this role. And she's told, you know, don't talk to him unless he talks to you, and he probably won't talk to you. So, um, but over time, with all the work that she's doing, she, you see her try to add her name to the reports, and keeps getting shot down by Jim Parsons. Um, but she, you know, she's doing so much of the work, and some of the data that she's given to double check has been, you know, all crossed out in black ink. So she doesn't even know what she's working on. Redacted to hell. Um, But she holds it up to the light and figures out what she's supposed to be, you know, actually looking at. Um, Her work is so good that Kevin Costner's character doesn't get rid of her. And um, she stays on in that department for quite a while. Yeah. And she's kind of a, a, A thread that's going throughout the beginning of the movie is that she's the building that she's moved to doesn't have a Mm. coloreds only bathroom. And so you see her kind of like pick up her work and run. And and it's it's it happens multiple times in the movie where she's running across campus. And later on, she says about like a half a mile that she has to run one way just to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's running, 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 going back and forth. And eventually it kind of bubbles up where they're, you know, they're getting close to deadlines and the pressure super high. And. Kevin Costner's character, Al Harrison, just kind of fr- flips out. Like, where the hell is she? What is? She, why is she always disappearing? And when she comes in soaking wet from the rain, he just kind of lets her have it. Like, what the hell are you doing? How do you? Are you not dedicated? Where the hell do you go for forty-five minutes a day? And she just yells at him, "I have to go pee." <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I have to. There are no colored bathrooms in this building, and she just. They also touching back. They, when she joined the team, they made. They put a, a separate coffee pot yeah. for colors, and it's a crappy, beaten up, old, dinged up piece of crap coffee pot. Probably makes sludge come out of it, you know. Mm. And it's just all these little things start to boil up, and she just lets him have it when he yells at her. You know, I have to run forty five minutes, or I have to run half a mile across campus to go use the bathroom. Um, you know, you make me drink swill water. Basically, you don't care. You know, just basically just unleashes the the anger of her people for you know uh, for hundreds of years across kevin costner's face and he's just kind of taken aback like he just doesn't realize that someone who has become so integral to his team has it so much harder than everyone else mm-hmm. um, and he just you know you could call it the, the time or you could call it him being wrapped up in his work but he didn't see the people around him he just saw like you said, computers. Mm-hmm. You just saw people to burn through and use, but he's kind of grown to like her. They have a couple really sweet moments where they're talking about the future and they're talking about pushing through barriers 
Um, and he's really talking about space. And I think she's thinking about females and race and so much more. And then they kind of come together and they're thinking about it in the same way. Because in the very next scene, you see him over in the other building just taking a giant sledgehammer to the colored only sign on the bathroom. And he talks about, you know, everyone's going to be able to use whatever bathroom they want. You know? at, at NASA, we all pee yellow. <laughs> yeah. Does he say that? I, I think so. I, uh... <laughs> I don't remember that. But... Um, and I don't think we mentioned exactly what they were working on. And in, in, in this part of the film, they were working on all the calculations to make sure that when they sent uh, John Glenn into space, that they'd be able to get him back. Because if they didn't... Um, fire the re-entry at the exact perfect point, he was just going to be stuck in in orbit around the planet forever or get shot off into space. And so, I, you know, you, you get the feeling that Kevin Costner's character, all he cares about is making sure these numbers are right. So if that means um, making changes in how things are done at NASA or drifting away from what was, you know, traditional race or gender roles, as long as it meant the numbers were going to be right, then he was okay with it. You know, mm-hmm. it it was the most important thing. It, this had to be right because the Russians were, what did they send a dog into space? I think so. Yeah. And so he knew that if they didn't get this done soon, they, that Russia would have uh, humans in space first. But at the same time, if they got the guy up there and did something wrong and couldn't get him back, it would be, so inc- incredibly embarrassing it could be you know mean the end of the space program yeah so so much was riding on what they were doing in that room and all those calculations and you know um the numbers that she was double checking and then to the point that she mentions that they would have these meetings they would make changes and by the time she got the notes from the meetings to redo calculations they had already had new meetings and changed everything yep. again and all her work was just going in the trash. And that's when she started making the case that she should be in these meetings, which was unheard of at this time. You know, first of all, it was all men, let alone, um, you know, no women, let alone black women. So she makes her case and Kevin Costner takes her into the, into the meeting. And at some point she gets asked to work out all the calculations on the board in front of everybody. And, I was blown away by that math. I don't even know. I mean, it didn't even make sense to me. <laughs> yeah. I just shook my head. Uh-huh. Uh, Sounds yeah, exactly. Good. I mean, she was basically saying one plus two equals three, three mm-hmm. plus one equals four. I was like, that's right. sounds right. Yep. yep. She's got it there. Yeah. She's calculating like areas of a touchdown in the Pacific. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I barely passed business calc. Like, <laughs> After trying it twice, so good for you. That's awesome. It was cool to see that 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 scene because John Glenn was also in that movie or in that meeting, um, and kind of having her do it right then and there in front of everybody. <clears throat> Whew. Having her do it right there and there in front of everybody kind of sets up another scene later on in the movie where where the the team of astronauts and specifically John Glenn, who's about to go up rely on her mm-hmm. and she becomes integral to the um to the team in a different way now so now they physically or they they personally trust her and trust her math she keeps working on 
different calculations. You go into kind of almost like a training montage dun, 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 and they're working hard uh, with their brains, calculating things that I have no idea what it means. Different launch vectors. And what'd you say? It was like, she has to get, uh, calculate the, the go, entry go, go. vector, right? Yeah. Something mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah. Wicked, and she starts smart. figuring out, she's wicked smart. And she even talks about like, she finds, she thinks about like an old theorem that's so old. They're like, what? Mm-hmm. That's out, outdated. But mm-hmm. then if they figure out, oh, but you could apply it in this way. And I'm just sitting there like, those are squiggly lines on a board to me. I don't know what's going on here. Um, yeah, I always thought math was math. Yeah, that was a math. That was like, that's a whole nother language, man. a different kind of math. I'm like, whoa, hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> There's more than one math. So after all this number crunching that she's done, how she's become integral to the team, she's done all this great work. She's best buddies with John Glenn now. And after all that, right before the final arrangements are made for John Glenn's launch, they inform her that she's no longer needed within mm-hmm. the special task. And she's going to be reassigned back to her old group, who's basically working on the computer now, the IBM Select or whatever it was. Um, and as a farewell gift, her boss, uh, Al Harrison, or I think it was actually, I think it was from all of her colleagues, they all chip in and buy her a pearl necklace, which was the only like jewelry she was allowed to wear. Yeah, but that's right. she couldn't afford pearls. That was another part of her rant. Like, it's the only thing she she you know she can't afford that, but it's the only thing she's allowed to wear and stuff. So, as kind of like a thank you, they they buy her some pearls, which is you know kind of sweet. But you know it's because she's losing her job basically, and she doesn't know where she's going to go after that. Um, but in uh, true movie fashion, uh, you know, right before the launch happens, there's some big discrepancies between the calculations that the computer's putting out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so John Glenn says, like, I need Catherine to check all these calculations or we're not going. Like, I don't care if you say we're going. Until I hear from her, I'm not going. Uh, and they run over. They grab her. She's doing the calculations. She runs back. And then she gets to the door of the launch room or the, like, mission control. And they won't let her in. Mm-hmm. And she's standing there. She starts to turn. She starts to walk away. And then Kevin Costner, in true Kevin Costner fashion, comes to the rescue and says, get your ass in here. Mm-hmm. Gives her a, a little badge and brings her in there. Um, launch goes off without a hitch. She, Glenn gets up there. He's circling the globe. They're watching him. I think he was up there. Now, this is much more of a history question, but do you remember how long he was up there? Wasn't he going to be up there for like 30 hours or some shit, circling the globe? Tim, I wasn't alive when this happened. I know sometimes you think <laughs> I was, but um, yeah, I, I wasn't even... I wasn't even in consideration yet. I, <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> well, I think you asked me if I remember. <laughs> I just, just remember from the movie. Cause they talk about, I oh, remember. Oh, oh, I got you. I got you. Uh, well, in that case, I just remember. In in the case, movie when uh, they talk about no, I do not remember. <laughs> there you go. I just remember when they talked about it to me, it was like, damn, that's a long time to be up there and be like, you have to stay awake. Like you have to make sure you're on the right trajectory and you're not going to go, flinging yourself out into space or something, you know, right, like right. I just remember it was a long time. It wasn't like John Glenn was going up there for, for four hours or something. You know, he's, he's not going from Phoenix to, to LA. He's not up there for that amount of time. He's like 30 hours, 40 hours, something crazy. Um, but as he's up there, the reason I bring it up is after he's up there for so long, it's almost like he's getting kind of closer towards that, that 
launch that bring down date or whatever you want to call it. The, mm-hmm. the no go, the go, no go, go, no go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of a sudden there's a warning light and the heat shield is, is failing. And that was something that they touched on earlier in the movie with, uh, with Mary Jackson's team, the engineering team working on the heat shield. So now it's kind of bringing those threads back together. Right. Um, and Ka- Catherine has to, kind of work on the problem again, you know, try to figure out mm-hmm. what they need to do. Um, what was it? Something about the, you needed to jettison something or keep it or. It, it was very sciencey. Yeah. There was, like, there was some mathematics and uh, it's not the space movie stuff that I'm used to. He couldn't go to hyperspace. Yeah. So I was a little <laughs> lost. <laughs> But I know there was heat involved, and he could burn up. And yeah. then he had to push some buttons and do some things. And uh, yeah. yeah, he pulled some levers and cranked some mm-hmm. wheels. That's right. He got the, he woke up the hamster. It started running. Uh, and and then, he does come and, back in, and and then and then uh, I think it was um, required for his his uh, transmission, like the audio, to cut out. That that's an important it's an important piece of American film. That it always happens, right? <laughs> you don't know if he's alive or dead. Yeah, yeah. He, you see him like get engulfed by flames as he's coming in, and you don't know did he die or it's kind of like that blackout. They always do that in the in the space movies, right? So I've got it here. Um, tele- uh, telemetry indicated that the heat shield had loosened, and if this reading were accurate, Glenn and his spacecraft would be incinerated on reentry. See, I was right. Burn up. After a lengthy discussion over how to deal with this problem, ground controllers decided that leaving the solid fueled. Uh, retro rocket pack in place might keep the heat shield in place. They relayed these instructions to to Glenn, but did not tell him that the heat shield was possibly loose. So he was left confused at this order, but he's supposed to pop it off, right? Yeah. I think he was, yeah. At that point he was supposed to, and they just told him not to. And there's that moment where they say, they realize he he knows what's going on. Like he knows. Yeah. Very, Very, Well, Bill, if you stop leaving the fucking mic on, he wouldn't know, huh? Yeah. God damn it, Bill. Sorry, Al. (laughs) But he does make it home Mm -hmm. safe. And he splash lands in the Pacific Mm. or some sort of ocean or body of water. I got the uh, time Uh, if you want it. Nope, don't. Don't want it? I don't know if we need to go. Sure. I don't know if we need to go. I'm okay. It's about the the, the length of the drive from L.A. to Phoenix. (laughs) What? That he was in the air? Yeah, four hours and 55 minutes. No way! No bullshit! Bullshit me! No. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, what? Just saying. It's. I mean, it's. It's. Uh, Wikipedia. If you want, I could go change it to say his his thirty four hour and fifty five minute flight. Are you actually looking at the like? I'm looking at the John Glenn Wikipedia. Nothing about the. Flight. Oh, fuck me then. So he was driving from Phoenix to L.A. Right. Yeah. I thought it was a lot longer than that. I I remember specifically. Uh, well, well, I don't remember. I mean, I don't know but. for sure, but if he if he was orbiting the planet, going the opposite direction of the spin of the planet, he could. You know, okay. Don't don't go on math here. The rate, yeah. Hold on. So the distance times rate equals time over pi. Mm, pi. And I think the um, actually this part I do know. Um, what was the name of the little shuttle? I mean, I know it was called Friendship 7, but they kept referring to it as like the pod, I guess. Was that what it's called? No. I don't remember. Anyways, I know it, it, um, it requires... I have no idea if you're doing real 
we're here I, if you're about to make a long you know, joke. I was going to explain <laughs> some stuff, but now I'm just not even going to, okay? No, no, I want to hear it. Explain yeah, it. Yeah, explain. Yeah. I was just going to tell okay. you it takes 1.21 gigawatts to power, and then once it hits 88 <laughs> miles an hour, you're golden. I knew there was a joke coming. I knew there was a joke coming. I mean, Distance over volume divided by pi squared equals... Yeah. D, D equals R times T. That's all I know. What's D? Distance equals rate times time. <laughs> it's the only thing I remember from my, from my maths. Your maths? Maths. I do think math should be pluralized. And in other countries it is, because it's short for mathematics. It's mathematics. So it's, it's maths. maths. Yeah. It's just here in it's America. Not, we're, we're too lazy. pluralized for... singular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fucking America. So back to America being great. Right. So the pod line. Fuck, fuck the metric system. Okay, go on. I actually think we need to move towards the metric system, but okay. Communist. As you were saying. Son of a bitch. I hate you. No, but once it, it lands, it's a huge success. Everyone cheers and high fives and there's a parade in his honor and all that, which I, you know. Listen, parades should be for sports teams. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah. It's not my America. Go on. Wow. <laughs> so Catherine gets reassigned to another division doing computations. Um, Dorothy continues to supervise the programming team. Uh, and Mary gets her degree. She gets her engineering degree. So it kind of, it kind of wraps up the movie with information about what, uh, you know, happened to these real women um, and how they kind of went on uh, to do amazing things. Um, and they show pictures. I, I always love that when they're doing kind of a based on true events where they have the picture of the, uh, uh, the actor and then they, you know, fade in, fade out to the picture of the real person and then mm-hmm. talk about what happened in their life. And they go into that talking about, um, you know, Catherine calculated trajectories for Apollo 11 and Apollo 13. Um, she received a presidential medal of freedom. Um, they even named a wing, I think, uh, either a whole building or, or a wing of a building um, on her for kind of computational research. And it was just all this amazingness that followed these women throughout their lives and the accomplishments they led. Um, and then they had uh, – it kind of ends on a very positive note, you know. It did. It did. Speaking of positive notes, this movie is doing fantastically well. I mean we're – about a month and a half in it's, it's probably getting close to its box office run. Would you say? Probably. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, I know a couple of theaters are keeping it around, um, during the Oscar. Still lead-up. making money. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if like by next week, once the, the Oscars are over or, I mean, let me preface this by saying, if it doesn't win Best Picture, I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it if it moves to like the discount theaters shortly. And if it does win, it will probably stick around for an, an extra couple of weeks. Yeah, I could see that. It's, it had a box, uh, had a production budget of like twenty five million. So you gotta say, oh, it's oh, called. Oh, 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 oh. Here comes some math. Here comes some math. Go for it. Yeah, but this is simple math. This isn't high over distance and all that shit. Which we gotta stop talking about pie because I'm hungry. Yeah, um, seriously, knock it off. <laughs> but it's production budget twenty five million. Let's call it another fifteen, maybe on top for marketing. Would you say? I don't think it had a huge 
marketing push. I mean, it doesn't need a lot of the marketing that comic book movies and sci-fi movies need because it's just traditional what the, marketing. Uh, what was the Kevin Smith equation? Was it half the budget is the marketing or double the budget is the marketing? I usually like to think about it, depending on the movie, mm. I would say at least half the budget, but for big blockbusters, double. Gotcha. Which, you know, of course is a big, big production movie, but I would say 10, 15 out of the 25, okay. uh, you know, you could tack on front to that. So you've got 40 million for the total budget. It's made 144, 145 million just domestically. So no slacker there. Not bad, that <laughs> Not means bad that, at all. You know what that means? Sequel. Hidden figures two. Yes. Not so hit. Yes. Hidden Electric figures. Hidden figures. Yeah, 20th Century Fox is, is liking the the return on this movie. And it's getting Oscar noms. I mean, it's it's. I think it took home some Golden Globes. It's taken home some Screen Actor Guild Awards. Now it's it's up for Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actress in the Oscars. That's uh, that's a damn good movie right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This is like no one can can complain. Critics can't complain. People who went to see it can't complain. Studio can't complain. Yeah, I can got? complain. I can complain whenever I feel like it, but I choose not to because I liked this movie. No, you can't. If I wanted to, I can do whatever I want. So you a man? I'm a man. <laughs> you crying? What's it get? You were crying. <sighs> not crying. It's got a 94. Well, 92 on Rotten Tomatoes. Doesn't it just make you wonder who are the 8% that didn't like it? I mean, I get no, no, you know, movies aren't going to get 100, but it kind of makes you wonder. Yeah. That, sure, there's no movie that's really for anyone, but who's that 8% that didn't like it enough to say, I'm going to go on Rotten Tomatoes and tell people that this movie is bad? Well, it's got a 94% out of audience score. To those people, that, I need to say, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's out of oops, and that's out of 38,000 reviews. So I don't want to do math anymore on this episode. Um, this yeah, who's the, who's the 4,000? 5,000? You know what? It's a little too early for that. 8, Who are these thousands of people? <laughs> Or even, wow, holy crap. Out of 211 reviews by critics, 17 called it rotten. What? what? Okay. This is, this, is one of, this is one of the things I don't like about reviews in general. Mm-hmm. And I know this is a review show, but we're just really talking about the movies. And we're going to be honest if we think it's bad. But I don't know how you could think about this movie being a terrible movie. You know, unless you are just a racist and you don't like black people. And that's the only, you didn't even watch the movie. You just said, Oh, black female cast. I hate women. I hate blacks. Boom. Zero. How can you watch this movie and not think it's at least good? You know, if you don't think it's great. Okay. But at least it's okay. It hits on all cylinders. I'm just so confused by stuff like that. Yeah. I don't, 
Yeah. Okay. It's not even I mean, like even a, if even if you like um you're a real stickler for the historical accuracy, you you can't rate it that low. It's still it's it's still a great story to watch. You can come yeah. out and go, okay, well, this wasn't quite right, and that wasn't quite quite right. But it's not like, at least as far as I know, they didn't just invent stuff, you know? Yeah, these are real women. Mm. So sad. But I'll still take a 90 plus. Yeah, it's yeah, still yeah, an yeah, A. Yeah, a win still is a win, It's a strong A, a movie. A mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, again, to all the critics, I mean, you look at, you know, BBS or something like that, who got just jack shit crap reviews and it still did, you know, almost a billion dollars. Okay. I mean, this movie is the same way. You want to give it mediocre marks? Well, 165 million and three Oscar noms, shove that up your ass. You know, this movie is fantastic. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> and now I'm ready for some pie. Mm. Pie sounds delicious. Actually, I think I want pie squared. Oh, two pies? Or a pie on top of a pie? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to put a pie inside of a pie? Inside another pie. It's like the ducking of pies. I was going to say a pie (laughs) ducking? Dude, a pie inside of a duck inside of a chicken. Oh, that's disgusting. Get the (laughs) fuck out of here. See, now we need the explicit tag. Thanks a lot, Tim. I cussed a few times already. Yeah, mine was... Mine was definite. Well, anything else you want to chat about tonight, Patrick? <laughs> I think we'll end it on the pie ducking. Ugh. 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 Mm. I'm excited for this. Now, I would have <laughs> a pie with a duck, as in like a little pet duck sitting next to me eating the pie with me. That would be awesome. And then you eat the duck. No. God, no. That tasty, tasty duck. I I quit. I quit this podcast. I'm out. Yeah. I'm done. Well, that's about it for uh, tonight, folks. (laughs) Drop us a line on Twitter at the Hollywood pod. Let us know what you think and what we should review next for Hollywood and Vine. Go watch something new this week. Okay. Cut. That's a wrap. Thanks very much.